0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Yesterday, California set a record for the number of COVID-related deaths in the state in a single day, 295. That shatters the previous death record of 219 reached earlier this month. The largest number of deaths were in Los Angeles County, followed by San Diego. Underscoring the grim reality of the pandemic, yesterday Governor Gavin Newsom revealed he's activated the state's mass fatality program and ordered 5,000 body bags and 60 refrigerated storage units. But even as the pandemic claims lives, the first doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine are going out to frontline healthcare workers across the state. We've tracked that story all this week, and this morning, we look at how the vaccinations are starting in San Diego. Here's KPBS reporter
2: Matt Hoffman. COVID-19 vaccinations are officially underway in San Diego.
1: I didn't know it was going to be the first one, but I'm really excited.
2: Rady Children's emergency room nurse, Brittany Randall, was one of the first frontline healthcare workers to roll up her sleeve.
1: It was great. The person that administered it was awesome. And I'm actually afraid of needles and I didn't even feel it. So
2: <laughs> Randall was told to come back in three weeks for the second dose of the vaccine.
1: I did it for my family and I did it
2: for all our children here at Rady Children's also. Sonia Garcia works with coronavirus patients at Rady's. She was overcome with emotion after getting vaccinated.
3: When I got the news that I was coming here, I really got very emotional and happy because this is the new beginning for all of us. And this is gonna help so many of us.
2: Other hospital systems like UC San Diego Health are getting their first shipments too and are planning vaccinations for this week. That's
0: KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman in San Diego, and we're going to stay on the subject of coronavirus vaccines and an unusual problem they've created. The arrival of the Pfizer vaccine and the anticipated approval of Moderna's could mean people who are involved in clinical trials for other vaccines might drop out of those studies. Again, from KPBS, here's health reporter Taryn Mento.
4: It's a lot of paperwork to be a human test subject.
2: If you were to get sick, would you allow us to get that
4: information? A nurse hands multiple forms to volunteer Christian Ramers. The papers are the final steps before Ramers joins an experimental COVID-19 vaccine study with Janssen Pharmaceuticals. The company is part of Johnson & Johnson. Ramers answers a series of questions that has the nurse scribbling down, too. And
5: then what is your ethnicity? I am Hispanic, white.
4: The process to join a COVID-19 vaccine trial is not only lengthy, but also invasive. I was going. I have to ask some confidential questions. In a follow-up interview, Ramers, a community clinic physician, says he endured it all to help fight the pandemic and skepticism around a vaccine.
5: And there's a lot of suspicion and fear, and that's based in historical injustices really from biomedical research. And so, um, you know, I wanted to really take a proactive stance against that.
4: But the personal gain is uncertain. Ramers doesn't know whether he received the vaccine or a placebo. People giving the injections don't know either. It's called a double blind and protects the integrity of the study. But volunteers can drop out at any point. And researchers worry the first emergency-approved vaccine may give them just the reason.
5: Something people should know about clinical trials is it's always the participants' rights to pull out of the trial if they want to.
4: Doctors are among those first in line to receive an emergency approved vaccine.
5: And so that's a key consideration for me is that if I have a, the ability to get a vaccine that's approved and I, I get in line because I'm a healthcare provider, you always have the ability to pull out of the vaccine trial.
4: UC San Diego's Dr. Susan Little is overseeing the local trials for Janssen as well as AstraZeneca. They require enrolling hundreds to thousands of volunteers. But now that Pfizer has emergency approval first, she's worried it'll jeopardize data collection in other vaccine studies. That's because volunteers may drop out to seek the Pfizer vaccine.
3: It would be nearly impossible for one pharmaceutical company to generate enough doses of vaccine to vaccinate the U.S., let alone the world.
4: And early doses of the Pfizer vaccine are not easy to get. There's a limited supply that'll be distributed based on priority groups. Little says she'll encourage any potential dropouts to stick around for the Janssen trial.
3: We might advise our participants that really, if you were to wait until February, you could evaluate this vaccine study that you're on to see if it was better.
4: Janssen's is a one dose vaccine while Pfizer's requires two injections. Ramers says he hopes he's in the vaccine arm of the Janssen trial.
5: But I did get a sore arm and so you know fingers crossed that it was the vaccine but that's the idea of going in is that you have to be willing to take a placebo for the sake of the science.
4: A leading bioethicist from NYU says participants in these circumstances should be informed if they've received the placebo. Janssen told KPBS they'll notify participants about eligibility for an emergency-approved vaccine. The company said volunteers can use that info to continue as is or seek to be unblinded. For the California Report, I'm Taryn Mento in San Diego.
0: Taryn heard from Susan Little that two Janssen trial participants have already requested to be unblinded. Let's turn to another issue. A California judge has ordered Uber to pay a $59 million fine if the ride-hailing company doesn't turn over information about thousands of cases of sexual assault on its platform to the California Public Utilities Commission. The data was gathered by Uber for a 2019 safety report, and the company was first ordered to turn it over back in January. Uber says it objects to releasing the information to protect the anonymity of assault survivors. The state is pledge to keep all personal information under seal and says getting the raw data is necessary to better protect public safety. The judge has given Uber 30 days to comply. The University of California Irvine just signed an agreement with the state prison system to create the first UC bachelor's degree program behind bars. KQED's Vanessa Rangano reports.
3: Across the state, about 2,000 men and women have earned associate's degrees while locked up but they don't have many options to keep studying. Brant Choate is in charge of rehabilitative programs for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. He says changing that is in everyone's interest.
1: People with bachelor's degrees just don't
4: come back to prison. If you look at the the national recidivism rate, it's 2-3%.
1: It's really low.
3: Through the UC Irvine pilot project, 20 to 25 men at the Richard J. Donovan Correctional Facility in San Diego will take courses toward a degree in sociology. Associate Professor Kara Ryder has been working on this for more than two years. And it's been a dream of mine to see the UCs involved in higher education in prisons. Almost all the prison bachelor's degree programs nationally are run by small, private schools. Part of my excitement about this is figuring out how to make this a public university model that's scalable. This summer, the UC Academic Senate endorsed a set of principles to guide the university in developing educational programs for incarcerated students.
4: Once we push this snowball off the hill, hopefully it's going to just
0: continue to grow.
3: Choate and Ryder expect Irvine's pilot to launch in 2022. Meanwhile, Sacramento State and Fresno State are preparing to launch their own prison BA programs in the coming months. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rangano.
0: In the wake of the election, there are new faces joining Los Angeles' City Council, who have vowed to confront LA's homelessness crisis. From Los Angeles, KPCC's Libby Denkman reports on Mark Ridley-Thomas and Nithya Rahman.
4: City planner Nithya Raman acknowledged the COVID-19 pandemic makes this one of the toughest times in the city's history. But she said she's ready to hit the ground running. It's such a joy, it's such a privilege to be in a position to be able to help people in this moment to create those needed policies. One of her first motions as the council member for District 4 asks for a report on city-funded homelessness outreach programs. She says her goal is to move to a more proactive model where caseworkers can build relationships with unhoused people. Former County Supervisor Mark Ridley-Thomas introduced a motion to come up with a plan to make the city legally obligated to provide housing to homeless residents.
0: We must commit to a framework that paves the way for all Angeleno's to have a right to house.
4: This was the final city council meeting of the year before the winter recess. For the California Report, I'm Libby Denkman.
0: And there's another new member of LA City Council, Kevin DeLeon. He was once president pro tem of the California State Senate. He also ran unsuccessfully in 2018 as a more progressive alternative to US Senator Dianne Feinstein. As a city council member, DeLeon has also promised to tackle homelessness in Los Angeles. And finally this morning, federal wildlife officials announced this week that monarch butterflies qualify to be protected as an endangered species. But the iconic insect won't get that status under the Endangered Species Act right now because there's a backlog of species in line for protection. KQED's Peter Arcuni reports.
2: Each fall, orange and black monarch butterflies from across the western United States migrate to the California coast to hole up for the winter. Projections from this year's survey estimate there's only about 2,000 monarchs left in California. That's down from millions in the 1980s.
4: We're at 99.9% decline in the population.
1: It's kind of shocking, even for us.
2: Emma Pelton is a conservation biologist with the Xerces Society, the nonprofit that runs the annual Thanksgiving count. She says a combination of habitat loss, pesticides, climate change, and even wildfire is driving the decline. Monarchs can't be protected under the California Endangered Species Act, after a state judge ruled last month to exclude insects from contention. Pelton says that makes federal protection critical.
4: It would really be kind of a lifeline to Western monarchs, and I think at this point that's absolutely what we need.
2: California provides both overwintering sites and breeding grounds for monarchs. U.S. Fish and Wildlife officials say that while monarchs meet the standards for federal protection, there are more than 160 species prioritized ahead of them. It gives no protection.
1: That's, I think, the biggest takeaway. It's saying that we don't have the capacity to deal with
4: this
2: right now. Officials say monarchs could be designated as endangered in 2024 unless the population rebounds. For the California Report, I'm Peter Arcuni.
0: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, December 16th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Have a great day.
2: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash adaptingcare. The law firm Perkins Coie, a trusted legal advisor to innovative companies and industry leaders throughout California and the world. Learn more at PerkinsCoie.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at SchmidtFutures.com.
4: That's right, a dollar and ninety nine cents. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading.
1: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. Hey QED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more.